0: It's 4 o'clock. Welcome
1: to Tutel and Nuanez, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football. Now, Sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz
0: Polaris Studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello,
1: Montana. Gronk is back in the NFL. Bo Baldwin is back in the Big Sky Conference. And Danny Sprinkle is rolling into year two. It is to tell a 1029 ESPN radio and across the state on SWX Montana television. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you. Thanks for letting us be on board with you on your radios, on your televisions and on your devices, wherever you might be listening. If you're checking us out on the world wide web, we appreciate that. If you would like to, maybe you're on your way home, you get home, you want to keep it rolling. 1029 ESPN.com. You go there, you listen live on the stream all the time. The stream is live. Thanks Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to pick up your phone and call us, we have phones. People, 361-3688. That's the number right now, 406-361-3688. You give us a shout, we'll be happy to talk with you today uh, about, well, a lot of different things. It's actually remarkable. There's a ton of stuff going on today. So 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone, num- uh, phone line. Let's take a look at what we have here today in the show. First of all, breaking news. Rob Gronkowski being traded from the Patriots and also returning to football, going to, no shock here, Tampa Bay to be reunited with Thomas Brady and uh, they're going to play a little football down in, uh, in uh, what do they call it? It's not the panhandle. It's just, what, the Gulf Coast of Florida, I guess, Tampa, whatever. Sure. Uh, Anyway, uh, that is uh, certainly worth noting. We'll get into that just for a little bit. Also, here in about 15 minutes or so, Bo Baldwin, who's the head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs, was the head coach at Eastern Washington for nine years. Unbelievable success with the Eastern Washington Eagles. uh, Bo Baldwin had and then went for three years, was the offensive coordinator at Cal uh, under Justin Wilcox, and now returns to the Big Sky Conference. So we got to catch up with Coach Baldwin, talk about his return. To the Big Sky Conference and the landscape of, uh, of, of football at Cal Poly with his return. Uh, pretty remarkable. Anytime a coach takes over uh, at, a, at a place, you know, things are going to, you know, it's a major change w- one way or another. Even if it was a hugely successful coach that retired and the, in you know, an internal guy goes, you know, say, you know, uh, uh, Urban Meyer to Ryan Day or something like that, it's still going to be, you know, a, a major change. Well, it couldn't be more different going from the triple option you know, uh, into Bo Baldwin's you know, wide open up tempo uh, offense that he's going to run there, and they can't even get a practice in right now. So it's a, a, an interesting deal, but we'll, we'll get into that conversation. We also will talk a little bit uh, more about Mike Petrino, the new interim head coach of the Lady Grizz tomorrow. Uh, there will be media availability. It's a Zoom call with Kent Haslam, the athletic director, and Mike Petrino, the uh, the uh, new head coach. And so we will uh, bring that to you, not necessarily in full, but we'll, we'll be on that call and we'll discuss that tomorrow. But want to you know, maybe get people a little more acquainted with uh, Coach Petrino. He's been a, a coach for a long time, was a head coach, great head coach at the high school level in Portland for many years and then uh, got into the college ranks and back to, bounced around and obviously coming from a uh, you know, an unbelievable coaching family uh, uh, all the way. Uh, up to his grandfather, Putter Petrino, obviously, who's a a Montana legend. So uh, we will get into that a little bit. Top of the hour, looking forward to this, Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Montana State men's basketball team, going to join us live talking about uh, all the new guys, recruits that he's gotten, the overturn in uh, the uh, roster a little bit. Obviously, the loss of Harold Frey and how to replace that. But uh, Coach Sprinkle and his staff hard at work, six now, new Uh, either signees, transfers, etc going to be playing at Montana State and so uh, a team that was I mean, had had I don't know seventy percent new faces on it in Dan, in Coach Sprinkles' first year is going to have another significant number of new guys. So we'll get into all of that uh, with him as well, and then also I'll maybe talk a little bit about the the, the Paddleheads and the scenario that they are in, which uh, I, I don't know it does not look good right now for the Missoula Paddleheads when you talk about the long term uh, scope of things. It seems so. We will uh, we'll get into that a little bit. So there you go. That is our show outlook. Ton of stuff going on. But three six one three six eight eight. If you want to get in here uh, we will be certainly happy to have you Coulter what's up guys sunny it's hot it is went straight from winter to just blistering sun I think it's oh, I think it's over 60 degrees today
0: it's like 68 Whew. that's what my car said brutal yeah I started sweating having stopped it was about seven hours ago you
1: you'll you'll be happy to know I arrived here early enough to turn down the uh, thermometer for us you know, it's cold mornings. I know that Robert Chase walks in here in the mornings on the trail, one oh three, three, and is just going, how what you know, what have they done? But you gotta understand by the time we walk in here, it's just blazing saddles when we walk in <laughs> here. I mean, come on, man. Let's find a little happy medium. In any case, uh, Coulter, let's talk about Rob Gronkowski. This news coming across the wire just, I mean, hour ago, something like that, that he is coming back to the NFL and he has sort of hinted at times at stuff like this but there's been so you know he first of all he was out for an entire year just completely retired also lost evidently i mean it just by appearance is quite a bit of weight i mean he was not doing what you do as an nfl football player to maintain you know the size and the mass that a guy that that he is has now he's a giant man Sure. So, you but he's know,
0: definitely not weighing 270, and that's what no. he played at.
1: Uh, and he's he's gonna, you know, obviously have a lot of work to do. But the Patriots have agreed to trade Rob Gronkowski to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, uh, this is completely tied to Tom Brady and the deal is such that the the Buccaneers will take on the salary which is a what there's one year remaining on Gronk's deal it's a nine million dollar deal he's 31 years old they are also giving New England a fourth round draft pick in this draft they will be receiving from New England a seventh round draft pick so basically moving a couple of rounds you know trading a couple rounds down uh, are the uh, Buccaneers to acquire the rights to Rob Gronkowski this is obviously interesting on a number of levels. What will Rob Gronkowski be this season? I think there's reason at least early to think that it's going to be pretty good because he's had a year off and maybe, you know, a lot of the, we know how many, well, actually we don't know, but we do know that there's been a lot of injuries that he has endured, pain that he's endured, that he's had to deal with and go through. And, you know, a year of not playing professional football has to have, I would think, a a fairly palliative effect and, and, and help with the healing process significantly. I bet he feels really good. It. the other thing though that I find interesting about this is that Rob Gronkowski retired and Tom Brady said he knew before the season started that he would that this was his last year I mean this how, how echoey is this of the last dance in some certain ways right sure, this totally. knowing going into a season that this is the last season and you know Gronkowski ostensibly said you know the, the reason I'm retiring is I'm I'm tired of the pain like I'm getting banged up and I'm a big guy and people are hitting me low and it's just I'm you know I'm kind of done with this this to me though bespeaks the truth which is not that any of that isn't true but that they both want out of New England done Done. Want to be done with Belichick and sure. the New England way and all of that right. stuff, which is a great way to win, but it's not a great way to live. And now you're going to Tampa Bay, Florida, and Bruce Arians and no risk it, no biscuit, and the hat and the whole deal. And, you know, it w- presumably, I mean, they, they're built to be pretty good, seems like. I mean, they're looking to train for Leonard Fournette. I mean, I mean, look out. It could, it could be really good. But the point is, is that. At least it's Florida and it's Bruce Arians and it's going to be a whole different thing. And I'll tell you, talk about a 180 sort of like the ultimate 180 would be going to Detroit or Cleveland. Right. But but talk about a 180 in terms of maybe the the feel of it. Right. And the fun and all, all that. Now, I think that Bill Belichick is sometimes underrated and not given the credit. I mean, he's reportedly, you know, a funny guy and can go in and kind of be jocular with the players and stuff like that. But don't kid yourself. I mean it's 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 just a rigid, regimented way of doing things that is, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's fine. And I think it's going to be a a, a a welcome breath of fresh air, at least initially, for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And this is a remarkable development to me.
0: To me, the reuniting of Brady and Gronkowski is far down the list of what makes this compelling and interesting. I, I,
1: I actually agree with you on that. So you know? I,
0: got, I have a couple of points to make, but first I want to ask you a question. Okay. The Patriots have been more wrought with scandal and reports internally, moles, people talking about the internal workings of the organization and all the drama that goes on and everybody not getting along and all the various deflate gate and spy gate and all these things, right? Okay. More than any other franchise in the NFL. No question.
1: It's not not close. I don't know about the, the, the people not getting along bit. In relation to other places like Houston? The the only
0: organization in the NFL that had a five day, five part expose series about people within an organization hating each other was the Patriots. The question for you is this How much do we ignore that sort of thing because teams win? In other words, all this stuff about the Bulls hating each other 22 years later, so much of it is like a revelation for so many people. Because they're just like, well, if you're rolling to championships winning 72 games, three-peating, everything must be perfect. Well, but here's the thing.
1: The Bulls didn't hate each other. Everybody hated Jerry Krause. Sure. And that wasn't covered uh, up. Everybody was aware of this at the time. I guess... I think there's I guess the, more exposure. The the,
0: the the expose that ESPN and ESPN the magazine did on the Patriots I thought was enthralling. I thought it was revealing. I thought it, it, it absolutely step by step played out the trading of Jimmy Garoppolo as well as the the split between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. I thought it one hundred percent predicted it. Sure. When it all came out everybody just kind of ignored it. The people engaged in it and then it was gone. And I don't I never really knew why. We talked about it on the show, and I said this is the end. But but when you talked about people not
1: getting along, you didn't. Say, I mean, B- Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are two people within an organization. You're not. I mean, you but there was history. team like the There was team TB
0: twelve, and there was team Patriots. Sure, okay. So it was a very divided organization. Okay, okay. right. I, I just think it's shocking that people don't didn't t- play more into that. I mean, we sat here and speculated for a year: is Tom Brady maybe going to leave? But if you actually read those stories. It was very clear that Tom Brady was going to leave.
1: Was it a divided organization with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it, this is not new stuff. And the difference is is that because they're winners, ESPN went and did an expose on them. Sure. Whereas there was plenty of stories, certainly, about Mike McCarthy and, right. and Aaron Rodgers, but it wasn't the same thing as this 20-year dynasty. I, I, guess, you're my, I guess
0: you're missing my point. It's the American way and the American media way to absolutely pile on when things go awry that's the th- that's what makes the Patriots unique is that they've had all these sort of probing stories, all these almost scandals, but the winning makes it so that people don't pile on because it just comes back around to the original narrative every time. I guess that's what I'm getting at.
1: I, I don't think so. I think that the winning and the New England Patriots and the number of people who don't like the New England Patriots continues to not perpetuate that stuff. I'm not saying that stuff isn't real. It is real. But I'm saying the reason there's so much probing and prodding about the Patriots is because they're winners. I don't think we avoid it.
0: I guess you're you're still missing it, though. No, no, I'm disagreeing. No one one has said... But remember that story that was only a year ago when Tom Brady left? No one has said that. No one says that about any
1: story that's a year old. Like, there's no... The stories come and then they go. That's just what happens.
0: I guess that's what I I just don't get. Regardless, uh, Rob Gronkowski, two details I think that are important about this move. Yeah. One, a lot of people are wondering... Well, why does he have a year left on his contract if he's retired? It's because the neither side, neither he nor the Patriots, filed his retirement papers. Right. Because there was a discussion, obviously, that he might return to football, whether it's for them or otherwise. Right. And so they were going to keep him on contract, I think probably stall his pay. Sure. But keep him on contract because if he comes back to them, great. And if he doesn't, he's still an asset and you can trade him, even though he that's not market value for Rob Gronkowski. He, he's still got something, not nothing.
1: I, exactly, because he wasn't going to come back and play for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So the Patriots are, in the, in this way, three rounds up on whatever they were, from the seventh now to the fourth round in this draft, for quote-unquote nothing because Rob Gronkowski wasn't going to – like that was it. And also the report is that, that he – had one team and then one team only that he was willing to play for, and that was Tom Brady's team, which turns
0: out to be Tampa. The other thing I think is getting glossed over, Rob Gronkowski was not the first, uh, hardly the first, superstar NFL player that walked away from the game in his prime. Oh, right. When Patrick Willis, when Calvin Johnson, when guys like that retired, I thought this exact same thing would happen. My brother and I had a conversation. Like a lot more players we, we just, we just, My brother and I had a conversation that Calvin Johnson retired for two reasons. One, he wants a break. Two, he wants out of Detroit. And we thought that he would just kick it for a year, maybe two, get healthy, and mm-hmm. then just go wherever he wants. Carson, Carson Dick, Palmer did it. Carson Palmer did it, exactly. Let's, and I, I, thought that, I, I thought more players would have done this. I thought Patrick Willis would have done this. It's more amazing to me that more people haven't done this. And then the last element here is just what is Gronkowski? Because I think Patrick Willis and Calvin Johnson both could see it coming Neither one suffered crazy detrimental injuries, but they both talked about how terrible they felt physically yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Garkowski, I mean, he got slaughtered more than anybody. Mm-hmm. And he's the greatest example of it doesn't matter how big you are in the NFL. Well, because, Maybe
1: it does, and it's well, worse right, if or, you're bigger. Right, because if you're yeah.
0: going across the middle at 6'6", 275, that's a big target. Everybody's hitting you low, hitting you high. I mean, and so I just wonder how much gas he's got left in the tank because... By all accounts, actually, I mean, if you follow his personal life, and he's actually one of the only NFL guys I do follow his personal life, only because he's hilarious
1: and. And he's a a professional wrestler, so that gets into Colter World in a hurry.
0: And his, I mean, now his longtime girlfriend, who he's settled down with, who probably he will marry, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated last year. Okay. Swimsuit edition. So, I mean, it makes it a little bit more. That uh, also gets on Coulter's radar. <laughs> Compelling, but I just you know by all accounts, Rob Gronkowski is as uh, lives a life a lot different than when he was first in the league. Yeah, I think he's a lot more of a, a adult, quote unquote, a yeah. uh, professional. It seems as if you know he's still having fun, but he was like a legendary partier. So you wonder. Sure. So that's a benefit to him. He's also had a year off as a benefit, but then you also wonder what's his physical conditioning like right, right now, and can he get back to playing shape? We'll see. It it
1: seems like though with a year off at 31, that one year, one year is reasonable, right? Like, you could come back and do it for a year.
0: Sure. So, yeah. I mean, maybe, but but uh, I mean, often, so often, especially in football, we see when you lose it, you lose it. When you lose it, it's gone. Yeah. But he never lost it right I mean he was injured well, I mean, he was a shell of himself last the yeah. last time he played though only because he was so injured yeah. yeah but I mean Rob Gronkowski in my opinion is the greatest tight end to ever play mm-hmm. he's the most versatile guy he's the only guy in the history of the league that can catch 17 touchdowns and also be one of if not the best blockers That's right yeah and he couldn't block at all his last year with the Patriots they didn't even try to make him fill that role He was just running routes every once in a while. And so you just wonder if he can get that back. We'll see. Sutel Nuwanis,
1: 1029 ESPN Radio. Plenty more on this, I'm sure. By the way, the NFL Draft, round one Thursday. We'll have that for you right here on ESPN. Rounds two and three on Friday. And then rounds four through seven on Saturday. All of it right here on 102.9 ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. Our Big Sky Coaches football series continues with the brand new head coach, at Cal Poly, but a veteran head coach in the Big Sky Conference, Bo Baldwin, next.
2: At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more
3: eat a lot of peaches, I'm moving to the country, I'm going to eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm going to eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm going to eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can, they were put there
1: by a man. In a Presidents of the United States of America.
0: I never knew if they were a parody band or if they were being serious. Well, they're
1: serious in their parody, I guess, is what I'd say. Hmm. But uh, this record came out when I was, I think, a freshman in high school. Yeah, this was the biggest thing that happened at Big Sky High School in the year of our Lord 1996. I can promise you that this was this made waves. Peaches get I out know, of here.
0: I know your brother saying it every single day. a boy. Two-telling the Wanas. Oh, go ahead. Your freshman year of high school, though, we were like in first grade. That's
1: right. That's right. I mean, we were just learning to walk. Um, Happy to be with everybody. 102.9 <laughs> ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Two-telling the Wanas always. Glad to be on your radios and hanging out with you. We appreciate that very much. Uh, Coulter, we've been uh, running through a series here, interviewing all the Big Sky Conference head football coaches that we can. Uh, we've had quite a number on. We have several left to go. But today, uh, this is a fun one. Bo Baldwin, we had a chance to talk to, did a Zoom interview with Coach Baldwin. And obviously, uh, a unique circumstance where a guy who was uh, about as successful as you can be as a head coach for nine seasons at Eastern Washington went on to Cal and was the offensive coordinator there in the Pac-12 for three years and now has returned to the Big Sky. But at Kyle Poly, one of the... Actually, you make a good point, point. and this is really not one of the have-nots of the Big Sky Conference. They've had some high watermarks and some really good players roll through there, but Their academic standards are extraordinarily high. Their cost of attendance is extraordinarily high. So they have some things to deal with uh, in terms of of finding players and students, frankly, that can come and be part of their program that... Seems like there's maybe a ceiling on it a little bit, and a guy who's been as successful as Bo Baldwin has been, you go okay. Well, that's the place you're going to go. But he's certainly optimistic and excited. It was great to talk to him. I think some a uh, so, uh, really interesting conversation for everybody here.
0: Well, Cal Poly's only been in the Big Sky Conference since 2012. But right, they played it as, as an independent and in the Great West, so they were very familiar with Big Sky teams. Montana traditionally scheduled Cal Poly every single year, but if you put it in perspective. From the Rich Ellerson era through the Tim Walsh era, those are the last two coaches that, that makes up the entire duration of the 20th, 21st century yeah. at Cal Poly. Cal Poly's made the playoffs five times. That's more than every other team in the Big Sky Conference except Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. That's remarkable. more times than NAU. That's more times than Weaver State. Because out West, all the bids have gone to Montana and Eastern Washington and Montana State. Those yeah. are who make the playoffs yeah. out of the West and out of the Big Sky. But Cal Poly has made the playoffs twice since joining the Big Sky, shared a league title their first year in the Big Sky. So it's not as if it's this downtrodden program. They've also produced as many pros as – I mean, Cal Poly has produced more pros than the Montana schools this decade. Guys like Nick DeZubnar, Cameron Anko, um, Johnny Millard. I mean, all three of those guys played in the NFL, so they've had good defensive talent, and their offensive system has been very confusing and and very perplexing and um, a unique part of this league, certainly, especially with the unbalanced schedule. Because if you get Cal Poly, what does that mean for the arc of your season? Just because you're going to have to have a completely anomalous week one time within conference play. If you don't have Cal Poly, Thank goodness! Your rushing st- defense statistics are probably going to be a lot better. Totally, but I mean, we'll let Bo talk about a lot of the stuff. Um, but he, I think he made some some interesting comments. I love that he didn't downplay that this is a whole rebuild or a remake. He said, are, we're, "It's win now. We ha, we ha, we want to win now. We That's think right. we can win now. We're planning on winning now." I've been around Bo a lot. Because he was the head coach at Central Washington when I first took my first job out of college in Ellensburg. He was only there for a year. He had been at Eastern and then returned to Eastern. But because it was kind of this story, we kept covering Eastern as well. Because, I mean, Cheney was only an hour and a half from Ellensburg, too. So we were covering, you know, kind of both Central and Eastern because a lot of the Central guys were Bo's recruits, too. So known for a long time and uh, always had respect for how confident he is. So many coaches that are confident are also brash, intense, in your face, intimidators. Both the guys at the, at the Montana schools are very much like that right now. Bo is a very confident guy without shoving it down your throat. And I think that's what makes him different than a lot. He, he's not, he's a very disarming guy. He's not this over the top intense guy like yeah. Jeff Choder or, you know, the general like Bobby Houck or, you know, Mr. Focus like Jay Hill. Different personality, similar level of competitiveness. Totally. So it'll be very interesting to see how he, he, gets it rolling, but Coach Baldwin, he'll figure out a way to recruit there, no doubt. They have an incredible thing to recruit to when you talk about their academic prowess, plus the fact that they're in San Luis Obispo, which is one of the great college towns on in the country. Mm-hmm. And he recruited so well at Eastern Washington, I can't imagine that with you know similar resources, just devising a different strategy won't be successful for them.
1: Enjoy our conversation with Cal Poly head coach, Poe Baldwin. Happy now to be joined by the first-year head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs, but a longtime head coach of the Big Sky Conference and most recently uh, at Cal Berkeley, Bo Baldwin. Coach, thanks so much for being with us once again. Welcome back. How are you?
3: I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Well, you doing this unique setting, but uh, it's good to be back on. That's right. I mean, who who thought that we would be zooming each
1: other and able to uh, you know look each <laughs> other face to face from a thousand miles away, whatever it is, and a in the circumstance like it is. For you, you've been a longtime head coach. You're a veteran, you know, in the profession. You know a lot of people. You got this great, you know, uh, a group of folks from coaches to players and all that kind of thing. But you are coming in to your first year at Cal Poly. So what sort of uh, maybe things have have worked in your favor, given our current circumstance of being, you know, state, shelter in place and all that? Also, you know, obviously some hurdles in that respect as well
3: yeah I mean it's definitely some hurdles and we're we're all you know we all feel those. Um, ours are a little different being that you're you're here for the first year, so you're still you know installing, but everyone's still got different hurdles even if it's year two or year three. Um, the toughest hurdles, like I said, are just not being around the guys you know to have those you know any sort of face to face meetings, obviously spring practices, we weren't able to get any of those in to eval guys. And to be able, I mean, we can do these Zoom meetings and they're fantastic, um, you know, just from from giving us a chance, at least when we're, like you said, hundreds of miles away, thousands thousand miles away. But it is sometimes tough to go over film and eval film without, you know how it is, the student athletes, they need to see themselves and see what you're talking about. So to have that practice film from the day before, and go, this is what I'm talking about by, you know, pushing the route to whatever. This is what I'm talking about, and they see it. It's You know, so that's that's what you're missing, but everybody's missing that. I know some teams got some practices in, you know, and did that. That's just that's just the way it is. Um, the advantage we're in probably is we have really mature kids, and, I, you know, not that everyone doesn't, um, but this kid, you know, the kid, the guys here at Cal Poly and the student athletes here, they are a little bit different, you know, and, and they, you know, so it's a little easier, I think, to be able to give them things to basically run with and handle um, being that, you know, they're, they're used to juggling a lot of things. So they're used to juggling things that are difficult, maybe not perfect um, in the classroom and just with everything that comes with being a student athlete here. So I've noticed that uh, whatever we would expect, you know, the issues we'd have, they're probably as good as they can be with this group of of guys,
0: which is uh,
3: you feel fortunate as a coach.
0: A lot of times, when you are taking over a program first year head coach, um, you're inheriting a program that maybe needs a rebuild, or you know maybe something like the guy before you might have got let go. But this is a situation where just Tim Walls retired, and Tim Walls did a great job there, and you're inheriting a program that has pretty good tradition. I mean, Cal Poly's made the playoffs five, six times over the last twenty years, and you know won a conference title since during the Big Sky. So. What do you think of just the state, the state of the program that you inherit?
3: Yeah, no, you hit it right on the head, Coulter. I mean, it's—I you know, have a ton of respect for Coach Walsh, his staff. i shoot, I've known a lot of the coaches that have gone through here and been a part of it. You know that, uh, you know. So I know, and I told the kids that I go, I'm not some coach that's going to come in here and tell you, you know, we got to change everything. This is, a, you know, it, I, I, it's there's always stuff that you want. You want to make sure that you build it around who you are and what you're about but be careful of thinking that there aren't some good foundational pieces here. And the guys know, I know that from coach Walsh and his staff. So I am fortunate that way. Um, the thing you have to do as a coach is then come in and find what are the things though, that we have to tweak, that we have to change that are going to fit us more than how they fit coach Walsh and what they did offensively, what they did defensively. Those are the things we have to identify. We have you know, really started doing that in recruiting and uh, even in the weight room, you know, we weren't able to get the spring ball, you know, because that's where you obviously you're getting to some of the technique stuff and the things you have to develop and change that are different about the way you're going to block in the triple option compared to what we do, you know, it would be one example um, for the guys up front, but you're starting to, you know, get some of those within what they're doing in the weight room and their weight programs. And uh, yeah, but you hit it on the head. You didn't, you didn't come into a place. I think very seldom do you. Where you have, but it gets said a lot. That's the narrative. But you didn't come into a place where you said we got a 180. This thing, it's a mess, or this or that. I don't know. I I think that's kind of, quite honestly, I think that's kind of BS. Sometimes when guys come in and say that, when a lot of times it really isn't a mess. It's just fitting it to what you believe. Have you
1: thought and considered, you know, for ease of transition, trying to implement the uh, Coach Walsh uh, sort of uh, military style Marine haircut? (laughs) Get the high and tight going. (laughs)
3: i have not i'm I'm hanging on by thread. i still don't have i still don't i still i'm hanging on up top i just got serious power alleys so if i ever go a certain way it's gonna be all or nothing as as an older guy i gotta get in better shape to go totally bald that's not a great look so so I go hat. I'll go, like I said, no military look. But I don't go the high and tight. I can't get Yeah, that. I
1: mean, if you're coming out of the triple option, you might as
3: well have your own haircut <laughs> too. I think that's probably fair.
1: <laughs> Bo Baldwin joining us, head coach exactly. of the Cal Poly football team. And, uh, Coach, you mentioned, you know, you not just taking over a new program, but especially offensively, this is going to be a drastically different offense from what, you know, these guys that the, the current players have been accustomed to doing. So now you don't have spring ball, but I have heard, you know, sort of rumors or or that they're going to try and work it out where ultimately when we get back to playing and practicing, they're going to try and even this thing out, right, where there may be sort of of a a front end to fall camp or something like that to try and even out the number of practices that all those teams get. What have you heard about that, and how important would that be for you
3: and your team this season? Yeah, I, I honestly, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard – I mean, I've heard – I shouldn't say I haven't. I mean, I've heard everything. I just <laughs> haven't heard anything that's been, you know, this is probably what's going to – it's like you hear something one day and then it changes the next. So it's like right. you know, get caught up. I think it's good in theory, um, the issues with that. if Let's just say UC Davis had all 15 of their practices and someone else I think had six or seven or whatever it might be. You know, so they come in. Let's say, do they come in later, and we come in a lot earlier? Is that what we're saying? You know, because there's still not going to be two a days. So then, all of a sudden, you run into a time where, budgetary wise, you know, where where are we at budget wise? We're all looking for ways to cut budget. Well, if all of a sudden, let's say Cal Poly's allowed 40 practices because they get their 25 to start and their whole 15 of spring ball, are we starting July 10th? which means our quarter school doesn't start till September 24th, which means that, you know, the football program is going to spend X, Y, and Z more dollars, you know, to house, because, you know, quite honestly, as a quarter school, you know, your your, uh, preseason housing and meals for your guys on campus and just your, your meals for those guys off campus, that's a huge chunk. That's one thing I noticed at Eastern. You know, we'll, we'll be on quarters all those years where, man, that's a big chunk of your budget. So um, I think it makes sense some in theory, but I also worry about 40. You know, I think there needs to be a gap too. I think if you don't have a good gap of a week or two and you just go 40 practices, even if you have a day off here, day off there, that's, I don't know how good a situation that is either for anyone. You know, I think that could be a little bit, a little bit much for right in a row. So we'll see. Um yeah, at this point, I think there's bigger issues than evening us out, you know, and, and we got to respect those issues, and just, you know, we'll deal with our stuff as we deal with it.
0: So much talk about Cal Poly revolves around the fact that they have run the triple option from Rich Ellerson all the way through Tim Walsh, but when you look at the other side of the ball, I mean, Cal Poly's had great defensive players, Some, I mean, some of the best in, in that's come out of the league in the last 10 years, I mean, they put more linebackers in the league than anybody, but probably Montana, so... What, I mean, how do, you, how do you revitalize that element of the program?
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's, it's, it's hard work in recruiting. It's, it's showing these guys, you know, again, what you know, what we're all about, what we're going to bring to the table as a staff, as a program, getting those guys that, that first fit that, that bill in your program and then developing them. Um, I think, you know, looking at some of the things that that we were able to, I felt like we were really able to turn a corner defensively probably at least four out of the last five or three out of the last four years at Eastern, and even the 2010 team probably doesn't get enough, you know, attention for what they were defensively. And we, you know, we won that, you know, even won some of those playoff games through some defensive stuff. So I think hopefully guys, again, continue to get excited, um, you know, about what we're going to bring to the table defensively, uh, what type of program they're going to be a part of, who they're going to, you know, be playing for. You know, and, and seeing the staff that we're putting together, which I couldn't be happier about our entire staff, but speaking defensively as, a, as it goes in the linebacker position. And uh, like I said, you know, a guy like just narrow it down to a guy like J.C. Sherratt, I think he's an absolute up-and-comer. You know, so as a linebacker seeing, you know, not just because it doesn't mean that every great player just becomes a great coach. I, I'll never say that. You know, it's, it's unique. Sometimes that's not the case, actually. But with him, it's different. You know, and, and he and Nick Edwards are very similar that way where they were great players that you saw and then you definitely saw after they were finishing. Man, this is, you know, these guys are going to be uh, stars in this profession as coaches. So all those things hopefully excite, you know, excite future backers to want to be a part of that.
1: You know, you mentioned
3: uh, J.C. Sherrett coming on the staff. You get
1: Paul Wolfer as well, obviously, former head coach at Eastern Washington as well as Washington State, among others. So you have, obviously ties to all these guys which is why you bring them in but for for being such a a successful head coach in the big sky conference for those nine years but then being three years out of it as an assistant thinking about how you might want to assemble a staff if you you know the point that you became a head coach again what what kind of maybe revelations did you have and what was it that went into putting this group together for you
3: yeah no it's a it's a good question it's uh you know, while I was at while I was at Cal, and you know, Coach Wilcox talked openly about it. You know, he didn't he didn't expect that it was going to be some eight or nine year deal as an offensive coordinator because he knew I wanted to be hungry to be a head coach again. And I my time there was invaluable. I mean, I learned so much around great guys. But during that time, you know, you always want to be ahead of it. You're always kind of putting your list together and your rolodex together of guys that. You know, if I'm ever fortunate enough to be in a situation again. And, you know, maybe some of the guys that fit at Cal Poly might not have fit had I taken a different head job or been in a different spot, you know. But you have all these guys, and then you figure out, okay, once we're getting closer to this is a real thing, you know, that's when you start, you know, narrowing it down. This guy fits for this reason. This guy fits for this reason. A couple of those guys were with me at, at Cal, you know both with Meyer and Edwards, you know, coming with me. Another one, Casey Petrie was someone that I only worked with those two years at Cal, but he jumped, you know, off the screen to me to be someone that, you know what, he's going to be hungry for his first true. And that's what sometimes a big sky offers those kind of those first positions too. It's a combination. It's a little bit everything, but he'd been a quality control, quality control. Um, but he was another guy that came from Cal and then going back to the, The Eastern piece, you had some of those ties as well. Um, But one thing I wanted to make sure was I didn't become totally good old boys club. You know, and what I mean by that is a lot of coaches surround themselves with just 10 guys who they don't challenge you on anything. They don't come with any new ideas. I mean, that was one of the reasons I hired Troy Taylor in 16. I wanted new ideas. Even though we were great on offense and for years had been, let's take it up a notch. So that's part of the reason when you think about bringing in Plemons and bringing in Cody Von Oppen and bringing in Jeff Anderson and then obviously bringing Paul Wolf back after all the other places he'd been. I want guys, uh, James Montgomery, you know, from Sac State, you know, I wanted guys that would also challenge some of the things and bring in fresh ideas. So it ended up being a good mix for us. And uh, some of it I probably knew or had a good idea before I ever signed the, the dotted line. And there's four or five guys that I went through a process and an interview piece with.
0: From a recruiting standpoint, uh, looking at your roster, I mean, right now I think there's four or five guys in the, on the whole roster that are from other than the state of California. I mean, California produces so many guys. Cal Poly's has always recruited California so well. When you were at Eastern Washington, though, you recruited Washington. So, Will, we talked to Aaron Best the other day. He said there's more college football teams recruiting the state of Washington than ever before. So, I mean, how do you go about strategizing recruiting territories at a place like Cal Poly?
3: Yeah, I think uh, Bestie hit it on the head, too. I think... I think while we were going through our run, you know, uh, I don't think Washington was getting hit. I know it wasn't getting his hit as hard as it is now. And people probably saw that and saw that, you know, we were able to be competitive nationally with a team of really Washington high school kids. I mean, for the most part. And then we get those one-offs from California that were huge, especially a lot of Northern Cal and then occasionally QB are running back from Southern Cal. Um, but I will take a similar philosophy here, but I think no matter how much California gets hit, you know, and it is going to get hit. I mean, it's going to get hit in recruiting as hard as any place west of Texas, um, obvious for obvious reasons. But no matter how hard it gets hit, I don't know how much we're going to have to leave the state. I really don't. And and it's actually strategically it's smarter not to leave the state for a number of budgetary reasons, again, like we talked about. And uh, so – it's going to be, you know, if, if our roster is 100% California, I'm fine, you know, when it all comes to it. If we have three or four guys that are outside of California, but they're that fit because of X, Y, and Z, then so be it. But it's not as if I'm going to sit there and have I I won't have a strategic plan to say we'll have 10 to 15% of our roster be outside of California. We'll only go outside of California if it's something that we feel like we can't get in California and that was kind of like the QB we signed this year from San Antonio. He was someone that we felt like was that far you know, different than than the guys we were looking at. Bo Baldwin joining us. He's the head
1: coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs going into his first year at Cal Poly. I wanted to circle back just briefly to your staff in terms of the titles that they have and the jobs that, that they are to do. You know, you used to be you had your head coach, you had your two coordinators, and then you had your position coaches, and that was kind of the deal, and it was pretty straightforward there's almost nobody on your staff that has one title. Some guys seem like they got three or four different titles. So how do you go about not just finding the guys, but deciding here's the responsibilities both specifically and generally that you want each guy to do and try to make that puzzle work?
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I think sometimes, you know, we all know it that sometimes there are certain things that get thrown out there that are just to put a title or to give a guy a title and it helps out his resume. Um, but a lot of times they still are involved in that, but but it's it's sometimes slapped on there. Um I truly tried to when I was hiring guys, you know, take a guy like Cody von Oppen from Boise. I knew JC Sherritt was a young gonna be a, a young coordinator in this thing, you know, and it was gonna be new for him. So I wanted to make sure I put the right type of guys around him. Well, when I interviewed Cody and when I talked to Jeff Schmetting and Zach Hill and those guys at Boise about him i'm like this guy to me is a future coordinator so this is a perfect guy i want to hire on the back end for a young coordinator someone who will bring ideas bring things they were doing at boise he bring his background with thompson and, and nau as well you know and some of the things he's had in this league um and then deservingly so he truly will you know the title of you know defensive pass game coordinator is legit He's going to bring ideas to the table. He may help make calls during the game, especially coverage calls, you know, and do those sorts of things. And then he will be a part of, you know, special teams as well. And the same thing up front with Will Plemons, you know, I mean, you know, he's going to be a part of setting the fronts and being a front game coordinator and, and doing those things. So um, you just try to, like I said, I, I don't want to just be that, that coach that just slaps him on there. You know, I want to be able to give guys, though, that that stuff for their resume when they're doing it, but I I did, like I said, look at it and strategically decide who is truly going to be involved in these different areas, Um, and some of them are outside of football, whether it be academic coordinator, recruiting coordinator, some other things that way that uh, we definitely like to do. Paul Wolf will definitely be an associate head coach without it just being a title, though, or assistant head coach, however you want to look at it, because he truly will be a guy I already have that I lean on. You know, for things that are big picture, not just O-line and run game coordinator stuff as well.
0: When you look at the landscape of the big sky, I was just thinking reasons why Washington's getting recruited more. I think one of the main reasons, especially from a big sky perspective, is because you have Bobby Houck back at Montana and Jeff Choate at Montana State. Both those guys spent time at Washington. They both have ties to the Pacific Northwest. I think they both put a priority on recruiting Washington, particularly Choate in western Washington and and Houck in eastern Washington. But what do you think of just the landscape of the big sky now coming back into it? Cause the league is quite a bit different with Troy Taylor at Sac state. No more Jerome Sowers, no more Tim Walsh, no more Mike Kramer, Bobby, how can Jeff Choate? What do you think of just the landscape of the league?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, and it's, I've always respected the level of coaching that is in this league. I mean, you brought up guys like coach showers, who's one of my favorite of all time. And, and, uh, you know, I got to, you know, be close with him and coach Walsh and different guys who have, have been as coach Kramer and, you know, and different guys who, you know, have been in this conference, but I don't know that it's, you know, much stronger than it is right now. Uh, I mean, that I can remember. I mean, that's just looking top to bottom, and especially guys, and I'm not saying that guys with big-time experience at all, that that's all that matters, but you've got some guys with some recent, you know, big-time experience in recruiting, big-time experience in coaching, and that's not everything, don't get me wrong, but also successful experience in doing that whether it be, like you said, Coach Howe or Coach, you know, Choud or Coach Taylor, someone I worked with, you know, and all the way down the line what Jay Hill's doing. And and uh, so I just think it's, it's at a level where there's, you know, you can honestly sit there and go. I feel like top to bottom this conference is as well coached as probably any conference in the country. I really believe that. And I think it shows up, you know, with the consistency year after year. And it probably shows up with us – Beating the hell out. So I always remember beating the hell out of each other. Sometimes, you know, we were fortunate to be on a run at times and be up there, but then you'd watch certain guys and you're just, you know, that's how we felt a little bit in the pac Well, you know, that, that, uh, you know, maybe other conferences feel that way too. And it's where you're at, but I definitely think there is a level of that where it's, uh, you're, you're in a challenge each week. There's no doubt about it. And a big part of that is the staffs that are in place. You know this. This might be a silly question. It might not be
1: anything at all. But there's a new commissioner now of the Big Sky Conference, and Tom Wistersill Since you were last here, do you, as a head coach, I know you guys get together as a group of coaches and talk about the state of the conference. But do you have any interaction? Is there any any sort of conversation with a guy like the commissioner or with the, the the conference in general about the state of your program or football in general in, in that sort of dynamic?
3: I, I haven't had any one-on-ones with him. I'm not saying that it'll never happen. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd had one-on-ones at different times for whatever reason with Doug, you know, Fullerton, you know, during that time there. So, uh, but I haven't yet, but in some ways that's partly because, you know, about the time I'm getting in the conference, he's got a lot of things he's working through. So I'm not going right. to, you know, I'll wait till he needs to send us all a message and talk to us. I'm not going to, you know, kind of like our president or university. I'm not going to bug him a bunch, you know, unless he needs something from, you know, talking to me because he's got a lot going on. So um, everything I have been around and seen, it's, you know, I've been, I'm ex- really excited about it. You know, uh, being in that meeting in February, you, you felt a good energy. That's kind of where you felt too, the, you know, the level of coaching in that room and, and just the level of leadership there within the big sky. You know, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to me, but no, I have not had any, I'm sure, as long as you know, you know, in this conference for for a while here, I'm sure I'll, we'll have some of those. But right now, I'm just letting him kind of figure out what he needs to figure out, and at some point, he'll probably have us on one of these Zooms, and away we go. So,
0: well, coach, we'll get you out of here on this. I know that uh, we're all going to anxiously await the return of football, whatever it might come. But I mean, what are your expectations uh, for Cal Poly this upcoming season?
3: You know, I'm, um, and I, I, I know. I mean, obviously, I know there's certain things that take time. I get it. But I've just never been one to want to say that. <laughs> I hate to say it. You know, I I don't want to put ceilings because then all of a sudden what happens when you set a certain expectation and then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, holy cow, we're already starting to exceed that expectation. You know, well, we're not, are we even supposed to do this? It's like on the golf course, if you're supposed to shoot a certain score and you're starting to, you start to get in your own head, you know? So my, <laughs> something we know about very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right i'm trying so i'm trying to tell the guys listen you know um I'm, we're not going to be too too high when things go right because we expect them to go right and there's no reasons not to be able to do things earlier than some pessimists might think we can you know and and but if things don't go right we're not going to listen to people go see i told you they can't throw it there right away you know it, the mindset is we'll keep so it's just it's and it's the same approach we took at easter Quite honestly, when we kind of went into that run, you know, there was no one out there before 2008 or 9 that would have said, "Oh yeah, I expect that, you know, team up in Cheney to be a national contender, when a national team be the premier team." There's no, no one would have said that. I guarantee. In 2008 or 2009, you know, but it was, it was our guys did a great job of never, you know, putting a ceiling on what's possible. And so I, I think the same way here. So I, I have no idea what the season will look like, but our guys believe that every game that's in front of us, you know, we're gonna prepare, you know, through the summer, whatever that looks like, you know, to be a factor and to, to go after, you know, big sky titles, quite honestly. That's 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 the ultimate goal, and then we'll have a chance to talk about anything past that when we when we get back to that type of consistency. Bo Baldwin back in the Big Sky
1: Conference head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time out. We appreciate it. Best to you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Colter. Appreciate it, man. Bo Baldwin, head coach of Cal Poly.
0: It's my thought that I think that there's advantages and disadvantages at every single job you can possibly have, especially when you're talking about non-power five, non-blue blood, you know, college football. Yeah. And I think that the key, one of the keys as a head coach is finding the way to maximize your advantages and minimize your disadvantages. And I think when Bo Baldwin was at Eastern Washington, he did that better than anybody. I also think there were some circumstances that went into it as well. Aaron Best told us last week, Washington's getting recruited harder than it ever has before. Well, one of the main reasons for that is that Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate are at Montana and Montana State. Those guys both have deep Washington ties. Having both coached at the University of Washington, they decided to not wave the white flag. There was a space and time where eastern washington would and because washington state was so bad eastern washington was literally getting the second tier of guys in the state of washington And yeah. if you're getting that you're going to be a semifinalist in the fcs year after year just like eastern washington was how does bo baldwin find that same sort of advantage at cal poly i'm not sure but he's a smart enough guy i think he will
1: great interview we certainly appreciate the time thanks for his uh uh you know uh time and opportunity to to sit and have a conversation with us we appreciate it very much quick break on the other side new news coming out of a conference call between major league baseball and minor league baseball which might not be great news for the missoula paddleheads and other rookie a leagues across the country we'll talk about it next
2: At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more.
1: back. Keep telling is one is 102.9 ESPN Radio. Quick segment here and then we'll go top of the hour with Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcat men's basketball team. But Colton, we wanted to take a quick moment and, and uh, note that minor league baseball and major league baseball uh, had a, a, a conference call this week and major league baseball had proposed several months ago uh, cutting up to 42 Minor League Baseball teams, basically reducing minor league baseball from roughly 160 teams to 120 teams, and basically is the rookie A leagues of which all of the Montana teams, not just Missoula, but Great Falls and, and Billings as well, are a part. And this was going to be fought, and I think with with some good cause behind it by minor league baseball and obviously all of the affiliate teams, uh, et cetera, because this September there's a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement that needs to be signed. But with the COVID-19 pandemic that has spread the loss of revenue that this has generated for everybody, uh, including baseball, uh, it sounds like that minor league baseball is, A lot of the starch of what they had of wanting to kind of fight against this has maybe been taken out based on the reports coming out of the conference call that was had. And this might become a a reality as a result of, if nothing else, merely a financial uh, dump, so to speak, at a time where there isn't the financial, you know, the the money coming in that there has
0: been. They're going to make a decision tomorrow on this PBA, this professional baseball agreement. And there's speculation that the Pioneer League could be gone as of tomorrow. So we'll see. The one detail I think... Well, it can't be gone as of tomorrow, right? Because the contract that's
1: in place with the Pioneer League... I guess the decision it would be Yeah, tomorrow. but it, it runs through the end of this season. So I think right, the season right, 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 is right, not in right, doubt right. in this respect. It's certainly in doubt in other
0: respects. One thing that's not being told here is that these teams, they could have a chance to operate independently and still right. remain affiliates of an organization that just is going to take a lot of logistics, a lot of loopholes to jump through and a lot of money. And money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the concerning part is that the Montana teams, they need to just be in this together, regardless of what the future of the pioneer league or the rookie league is because Montana needs Missoula needs great falls and Billings, and vice versa. Because if you don't have any other opponents within a seven to eight hour bus ride, What's then the point? it's proving the point that this yes. does just cost too much money. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, Concerning weird times, certainly, a lot of the reporting today was about how COVID is affecting this. It was always my thought all along that it was going to take some pretty strong efforts by the Pioneer League to survive regardless regardless of the pandemic, and so we'll see. But uh, the calls tomorrow, we'll have more updates for you then.
1: Uh, Want to let everybody know though, uh, and this is cool: SWX uh, Television is going to be replaying. Uh, an Osprey game from this past season uh, from uh, uh, you know and a, kind of do it in a real time a watch party if you will on April 30th so it's next week Thursday of next week the 30th of the month and uh, be watching it in real time tweeting about it you can participate both by watching and also uh, on the social medias and uh, and uh, we'll talk a lot more about that as we get there but a cool thing that they're doing and you can uh, rewatch some baseball from a season ago on SWX television Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. Danny Sprinkle, head coach of the Montana State Bobcat men's basketball team, next.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore